You're listening to Tone Benders, the Sound Designers Podcast. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to Tone Benders, where we talk with the sonic artists behind our favorite films, games, and series. My name is Tim Muirhead, and I will be your host for this journey back in time to the sounds of Africa in the 1800s to talk about director Gina Prince-Blythewood's crowd-pleasing film, The Woman King. This movie follows an all-female group of warriors tasked to protect the African kingdom of Dahomey. With top-notch acting and beautiful cinematography, the pressure was on for the sound team to match that level of craft, and our guests were more than up to the challenge. Joining us to talk about their work on The Woman King are two of the film's key sound contributors. First up, we have production mixer Derek Mansveld. Welcome to Tonebenders, Derek. Thank you very much. It was really nice to be here. Awesome. We also have supervising sound editor Becky Sullivan. It's lovely to meet you, Becky. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. Nice to meet you, too. And finally, we have Tony Lamberti, the film's re-recording mixer. Welcome, Tony. Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you. It's great to meet you. Okay, let's set the stage for this film. Derek, can you tell us a bit about where it was shot and some of the challenges and maybe even advantages you faced while on set? <laughs> Very few advantages. Because it's a period piece, obviously, it's always going to be challenging. Uh, that was our first challenge. Secondly, we were shooting in South Africa, uh, which is not Dahomey or where Dahomey is situated. So th- those are your two biggest challenges, really. Every period piece is going to be like that. And yeah, if you're not shooting where the story takes place, that's also going to be a challenge. Yeah, besides that, it was always going to be a, a story of costumes because it's Africa. It's never going to be elaborate costumes where it's easy to hide things. And there I've got to say, costume department were amazing. Cast were amazing. Everybody helped try to get us, you know, find a place where we could put things, hide things. Um, and then the accents, because it's a it's a country that's kind of disappeared. It's There is no language, I don't think, left today. Um, and we had a fantastic dialogue coach, uh, Joel Goodies, who was amazing with the cast. And the cast were amazing, you know, kind of get their wrap their tongues around this new language that they were speaking. Big mountain to climb, but we had a lot of help and we had a lot of we had a lot of commitment from everybody around us. You know, Terry Lynn helping out, uh, pushing our, our agenda. Because often sound gets pushed to the side for, for picture, obviously. But I, I must say Gina was there and she did help us fight the battle. It wasn't an easy job. Never going to be easy. And Becky, how did the dialogue captured on set translate in post? I think Derek did a fantastic job in in, in just getting the dialogue recorded because it, it, they were under such circumstances as being outside, a lot of winds, waterfalls, bugs. Uh, again, the winds sometimes whip through some of these scenes. And, you know, I remember Tony and I, we would, we would uh, remove a lot of the wind out of the production dialogue just because of the sound of it. And then we would add wind back in sound effects so that we would have more control over it. It was extremely challenging due to the circumstances under which it was being filmed. So many exteriors and, um, you know, waterfalls, the waterfall scene where Malik and Nawi are first meet and talk, so much water. And yet we were able to, you know, um, RX it out of there and, you know, try to save that scene. 
because Gina was definitely, that's the first scene she sent me was that waterfall scene because of the noise of the waterfall. And uh, we were able to get that noise out of there and send it back to Gina and Terry. And they were amazed and thankful. And uh, it was just a constant, constant work in progress to clean with that production dialogue and and make it as best we could and not to loop very much, although we did do some looping in certain certain areas, but um it was it was a it was a big challenge. Production dialogue was a big challenge. They did an amazing job, Timothy. If they saved that waterfall scene, I yeah, I'm in awe. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't even think about it while watching the scene. So yeah, you did a great job. Um, Tony, which end of the board were you on? Were you mixing uh, dialogue or sound effects or were you mixing, mixing everything? Sound effects, all sound design, sound effects, anything that had to do with the design of the film, battle sequences, all that kind of stuff. Becky and her team, you know, did an amazing job coming up with the sounds of the machetes, the, all the period stuff, the muskets, horses, um, because Derek had done such an organic job capturing all the dialogue, there was never any issues in terms of, oh, we hear a plane flying by, or we hear something modern in the track, obviously then lets us build the world around it and stay in a period mode and add all the that stuff in, nothing mechanical, nothing electronic, you know, so we really were able to set the tone of the film. Well, that's something that I wanted to talk about, the tone of the film, because although this film takes place hundreds of years ago, especially the battle scenes I'm going to talk about, it feels very modern in the sense that, like, it's impactful, the, the gunshots are huge, the swords are shinging and whooshing. Was that something that came down from the director? How did you kind of decide to take that kind of uh, modern battle sequence in a old-fashioned film? Well, not old-fashioned. <laughs> period piece. Period piece. There we go. Sure. We knew that, um, you know, Gina would be wanting the intensity, you know, because because of the intensity that was captured by the actors on screen, we knew that we had to bring the intensity with the sound. And and what that does is, it you know, it allows you to to play big Hollywood type sound and still be believable. And, and you know, it's um, we obviously were very careful about how big we let certain things get and to not be too crazy over the top with it, but, um, and, and kind of keep it somewhat contained, but the other places we let it loose, you know, um, cause we know that Gina really responded to that. And, and that's again, you know, set down by her and Terry and, and they were not afraid of, they weren't never like tone it down, tone it down, tone it down. They were just, all right, let's bring it, you know? So we were really going for an organic sound. So we weren't using a ton of sound design and we weren't making a superhero movie. You know, we were making, uh, I think, a a story about these women. Within that story, there were some action sequences, but it was really the story of those of the women and those their relationships. And so, when we got to the action pieces, Gina had in her head a sound for the machetes that took me a couple of tries to get that right sound that was thick and it was deep, dark iron you know, the sound of that machete versus the more tingy high-end sound of the swords. And so the thing about the battle scenes is, is we have a PG-13 rating. So if you watch them, there's not a lot of limbs flying and a lot of blood being thrown around, but hopefully the audience has a visceral experience and they may not see it, but they can hear it. And so they hear those those 
machete hacks and they hear the swords cutting into bodies and they can hear the spears hitting bone and going into bodies. And so in, in doing that, it, it lent itself to those battle scenes being even more intense because you may not see the blood, but you're definitely hearing the brutality, which was awesome. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually really did enjoy those battle sequences. I mean, filming them was was obviously just big smoke machines and fans going, and, and we just pushed mics in whatever we could and got whatever we could. And, you know, occasionally the girls would shout loud enough. I thought, oh, well, maybe that'll be useful. But, yeah, to watch it afterwards, it kind of matched the intensity of filming it. The sounds you put in there just felt right. It felt good. It, it worked. In cutting it, we had the everything that was happening on the foreground. So we had, you know, our our heroes and everything in the foreground. But then it felt we cut a secondary level and then a third level. So it had, you know, the depth. So it wasn't just what was in front of us, but it had the third, you know, second and third level of battle going around us. And and Tony's so awesome to the way he works with the with the um, Atmos to be able to fill the theater with just that's those sounds of battle. So we heard our heroes up front, but then we also could hear all the rest of the battle, especially in the big oil battle. You know, you could just hear everybody and what you know what was happening, and it was. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. We we really did bring it, and I, I love the sound of those battles. We have some production in there, but there's a lot of ADR and just different things in my collection of sound of just going through and looking for everybody's death sound. You know, if they got the cutthroat, they got stabbed, or whatever happened to warriors within the battle. Just having those vocals too that would really match what was happening on screen. A movie like this is is ready-made for the Atmos format. It's, you know, there's so many opportunities to wrap and envelop this, the audience um, around us. You know, uh, the quiet scenes when we're near the waterfall, in the jungle, those kinds of things, you know, you can play stuff all over the theater, birds, whatever, animals, sounds, water, as the we're panning around, you know, I did some stuff with the waterfall. And then also the battle scenes, like Becky said, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a prime opportunity to use all the speakers and, and really put you inside of it. This movie was, was absolutely made for the format, and I love the format. So, you know, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Well, Becky mentioned uh, earlier about how the sound was kind of adding to things that weren't being seen in the battle sequences. And I think a really amazing example of this, it's not quite a battle sequence, but where sound really carried the weight. The new recruits are doing their first test and they have to run through a bush of brambles and they're being stabbed by all these brambles. Yes. Yeah. There's no real close up of the brambles. There's no blood squirting out of the anything. But while you're sitting in the theater watching that, no. everyone is cringing and like drawing themselves in because it's a horrifying it's it's almost worse than like when you hear the throats being cut because it's like death by a thousand cuts kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> that sound, like I imagine the shot when you arrive to audio post didn't give that feeling at all. And you that was all on you to do that. Do you want to talk about how you tackled that scene? Becky, maybe you can go first. Well, we had a mixture of just, um, you know, uh, sound effects and Foley, just trying to get that snap right and get, you know, you want to feel the pain of it because they're going through it. So they're getting 
ripped on their arms and their legs. And there's a sequence where we see a little bit of a close-up of, of a thorn, you know, scratching the flesh. And Terry, our picture editor, was very big on, you know, hearing each of those thorns. And now he steps on a thorn. That's why she limps away, you know, from that sequence. And so that thorn going into her foot, but the sound of the thorns is just a variety of, you know, Foley and sound effects. And, and yes, Tony, we, we definitely worked through that sequence a lot to get, to get the audience a little cringy, that, that cringe level up so that they could feel the pain of what, of what the, the trainees were going through. And that was a that was a sequence that Terry very much wanted to really spend some time on and make sure that each one of those things you were just like, oh my goodness, like did that just happen? Like did they just like walk walk right into this thing and and you hear all the snapping and and uh, yeah, it's it's one of those when you hear that sound, it's just you. I get goosebumps right now just thinking about it. Finding those moments to just ratchet that intensity up and and kind of match what's going on on camera. Well, while we have kind of uh, three stages of audio for the film together with the onset editorial and mixing, this film features a lot of chanting and singing on camera. Mm. And I wanted to talk about how maybe that got from capturing on set. Derek, maybe you can start. And then how uh, you tackled it in editorial, Becky and Tony at the end on the mixing board. Derek, do you want to start off with that? My initial meetings with, with Gina regarding you know how we were going to approach this because obviously there are different ways to do it she wanted to keep it as real as possible which i that's the route i like to go as well but it does make it very difficult for post because uh, the more we keep it real the more difficult it becomes to to actually cut something out together out of it unless of course you throw six cameras at and you do it once which obviously we're not going to do there were various plans in place we had all kinds of things we were going to be rehearsing this our dances were rehearsed it was it was there was a lot of work was put into building up steam for each of those scenes but it was a lot of work because they they were big and they were you know it wasn't just one it was how many sequences did we have about six or seven i think in total yeah yeah the most difficult one really was the last one we did which was actually the first one in the movie which is the the whole where the, the whole courtyard is filled with everybody and it's the kings there and every that actually i was the most upset about I didn't I, it, it was just too complicated and it was too late in the movie really I think we it was difficult to do that one that's so interesting because you're talking about the sequence which is tribute to the king yes which is everyone singing and I think that was probably for us the easiest one to mix out of all the out of all the songs <laughs> but that was the one that had the least singing real singing it was more playback yeah there were so many layers to it there was there were, I think there were yes we had about six or seven eight different singing parts so we didn't have one soprano track we had two soprano tracks we had alto we had bass we had another bass track and everybody kind of had to buy in to learn a different part and that was the difficulty was there wasn't enough time for this this group to learn that and that group to learn that. And then on the day for them to all work out, because suddenly they weren't standing together. They were separated. We try to get them together. Yeah, those were difficult. But Gina wanted to keep it as real as possible. And we wanted to keep it as real as possible. We did a big rehearsal day where we recorded as much as we could separately and gave ourselves as many stems of it that we could. And then we just tried on the day to play back 
up to a point, but then allow our drumming to take over. Because the difficulty with African music is drumming becomes so loud yeah. that to record it for real is very difficult. You kind of have to take your drummers and move them so far away to be able to record anything useful on the vocals. So we, we try to record the drummers first. So we had a drum track, then we could get them to mime and we could control that level. And then while we were doing that, we would then mic up everybody for vocalizing so we could get as many vocals as we could and try and keep everything in sync. And <laughs> it was a challenge. I was hoping that we had made it easy, but I know we didn't. It wasn't easy. That one was uh, was an easier one for us. And with that, in taking all your tracks, we also, I looped all of our hero characters, our lead warriors. When they started singing, I looped their singing. So as the camera would pass them, we could feature their you know, feature their singing with the ADR and then have the rest of the production underneath it. So that when the camera passed them, they, you know, they would be featured a little bit and then it would go off and then we'd see another warrior. We go to Ode and Nawi and they'd, they'd come out just a little bit with that ADR with their singing and, and with the production in the background. I thought it worked beautifully. Becky, let's shift focus to one of the different singing sections. Uh, Near the end of the film, there's kind of a battle dance where all of the actors are smashing their chest while holding machetes and beating their chest while singing. Uh, That must not have been a walk in the park for you. That last battle dance was, was so challenging with the machetes hitting the mics and hitting their chests and them sounding very plastic sounding, where, of course, they're the heavy, thick iron And so we had to go in and get that out and yet couldn't touch the voices too much and try to, you know, carve out that hitting and keep the voices good and keep everybody in sync. There was a lot of sync issues through, you know, the different cuts. They did a beautiful job. That was my favorite scene. I loved that. Yeah, it turned out amazing. So, Tony, you get all the tracks up on the board. One of the earlier chanting scenes, there's a whoomp that keeps happening in it over and over again. And it is a very cool sound in the theater, at least. There is suddenly some low end in the chanting. how you tackled that uh just the chanting in general on the board sure well again you know Derek had done such an amazing job preparing you know getting all that captured on set and so that came as production as terry terry lynn had cut it so it came actually to kevin's side of the board so kevin mixed it as music and so you know what he does sometimes is he'll add some low end via eq um, and, and occasionally some subwoofer. I'm not sure. I don't think he did it on that particular sound, but that's just natural sound that Derek caught on the set. And that's, that's them, you know, uh, coming all together to make that, that sound. And, um, 
you know, that's the real deal. It doesn't get any more real than that. And that is the organic nature that, that you know, Gina was looking for in those chants. One scene I actually suddenly just remembering that I want to ask about is the Lashana with the guy where they're pushing the spears into each other's chests. Yeah. That, um, that was so much fun to record because we just let it happen. Whatever happened, happened. I just wasn't much planning. <laughs> Uh, just to give our listeners some context, this is a scene where Lashana Lynch's character is representing the female warriors, and she's kind of playing a game of chicken, if you will, with one of the stronger warriors of the male warriors of the tribe. And they are leaning against each other with a double-pointed spear between them. So as they push towards each other, the spears are going into their own chests and digging and stabbing themselves. And it's kind of a contest to see who will give up first. And all of the female warriors are cheering and chanting, just cheering for Shauna Lynch's character and all of the male warriors are cheering for their hero. Uh, and it makes a really great scene with all these different elements coming together. That is one that we, we used all the production, but then I definitely added a loop group in that one to have the difference between the men and the women to have a little bit of separation so that when we went to the men, I had some uh, specifics in there that when the camera went to certain men, we had certain specifics in there and same for our, um, featured warriors uh, with the Agoje. We did some ADR throughout that so that I would have something very specific to go to base production and then that ADR peeking through when we needed it that just adds so much texture to everything that was you know already in production. The thing that I love so much throughout is the bare feet in the dirt you know and the foley and the grit that we got going through through all those dances too and and in the battle dance where they kick, kick the dirt. And it, it just, it's just a beautiful sound. I love, I love all the feet and dirt. And it adds that realism to it. Again, you know, Becky and I, we worked that scene a lot because it was, um, you know, we'd had it in shape for a, for a preview that had come a little bit before our final. And we thought we had it in pretty good shape. But then, you know, once, once we got the scoring shape in there and we kind of knew what was going on with the chanting and the score and production, then Becky and I spent a lot of time weaving in all the sound effects around that um, because Gina was pushing like, let's, let's, I really want to feel the machetes hitting the chest. I really want to, you know, feel them as they're getting ready to go to war, hearing all the dirt, hearing all the, you know, the pounding of the machetes on the ground and all that stuff and really like just bringing you right into it. So um, that was the sequence we spent the most time on and, um, and finally tackled it. Yes. <laughs> There's one really great moment uh, in one of the battles, uh, the late latter part of the film. Uh, there, it's a battle sequence that lasts, I think, over six minutes. It's 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 an intense battle sequence, and maybe like three or four minutes in, our yep. maybe not our main character, but uh, the younger main character Nelly. suddenly has a knife on a rope. Yes. And is swinging the rope, and the sound of that rope moving around through the air. It's only like maybe seven or eight seconds of it, right? But like you, ju- like as a sound person, I leaned up on my seat and was like, "Whoa, what was that? That's awesome!" <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very very cool sequence because in the in the beginning of the movie, the first thing that uh, Naniska gives the trainee, the trainee Naui, is a rope, and Naui says, "A rope is not a weapon," right? She challenges her to make this rope into a weapon, learning how to tie it and all that. And here that goes from the beginning. And then here we are at the end. And now he has learned to tie that rope around her machete and just take guys out with it, you know? And so we had that sequence 
the zinging sound of that rope that just whizzes through the air as she's taking guys out and the music was pounding. And then we suddenly had that moment where we could take out the music and just let that rope zing through that with the machete. Yeah, as a sound person, when you when you get to, to do shape something like that, it's it's a lot, a lot of fun because you know, now his journey has come full circle, right? She starts off, she wants to be a warrior, but she's not a warrior. And then by the time you hit that moment, you realize she's a pretty badass warrior. So and uh and we were able to really highlight that with the fact of the zuzzing of the of the rope and as she's just taking out guys, and then like Becky said, we sucked the music out on purpose just to give her that that little moment and then and then she gets grabbed tossed down the hill um and then we bring the music back in back when we hit meniska um and izogi back up on uh, up above so uh, yeah it was a lot a lot of fun that was amazing yeah that's awesome well, thank you for talking to me today. I really enjoyed the film. Uh, everybody has really enjoyed the film. I don't know if you've gone to Rotten Tomatoes, but the, the critic score for this film on Rotten Tomatoes right now is 94%, but the audience score is 99%. Wow. That's unheard of. That's amazing. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Especially for a period film, you know, like uh, that's not necessarily the kind of film that audiences are uh, rushing towards, but the film that you made is something that everybody wants to see. It's got something for everyone. Uh, so congratulations, because the sound, as I mentioned multiple times through the interview, carries a heavy load in this film, and uh, it, you really knocked it out of the park. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Film Bitters is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast. You can use our links when you shop with Amazon or B&H or leave us a tip. Just go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? Tonebenders is part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. 